Well, good morning. How are we? Good. It's good to be with you today. We're going to bounce a little over uh, throughout different places in Scripture. Uh, but the first place you could go is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, you can go there. Uh, but like I said, that might, might be where we start, but not where we end up and not where we finish today. We are in the fifth and final week of our series, Asking for a Friend. And in this series, what we've done is we've tackled some good questions that sometimes we may not feel very comfortable asking these questions. Um, but I think they're important questions to wrestle with. And today we're going to wrap up the series by looking at a question that, that many of you may have today. And I think if you are a follower of the Lord and you have been a follower for a, for a little while, then you probably could ask this question. Is there hope for my loved one who has walked away from God? Is there hope for my loved one who has walked away from God? That should be up on the screen. Is there hope for my loved one who has walked away from God? Many of you have someone in your life right now that has seemingly walked away from God altogether. Um, I know I have people in my family, uh, people uh, who I have been close with who have walked away from God. And it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It absolutely is. It's heartbreaking. We pray and we pray and we pray for those people that we love to come back. Some of you have prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed for years with no results. Some of you may feel like giving up on prayer. Some of you may feel like it's useless and this person is never going to return to the Lord. Some of you may be angry this morning at God wondering why God has allowed this to happen. Why is God not intervening in this situation? Why is God not bringing this person back? And so what do you do if this is where you're at today? How do you keep believing for this person to return to the Lord when it seems like every single day they get further and further and further away from the Lord? Now, Again, let, let me just clarify here this morning. I'm talking about someone who at some point in their life, some point in your experience with them, seemed to be walking with the Lord, seemed to confess Christ as, as Lord. They obeyed him. They walked with him. They once were on fire for him, and now they are not. Many times we wonder if a person, only God knows that because only God knows the person's heart. You don't know the person's heart. Only God knows the person's heart. And so we don't need to answer the question, are they saved? Were they ever saved? We don't need to answer that question. Why? Because for the moment, here on earth, we don't have access to answer that question. We cannot answer that question. It's usually a debate to sit there, and it's a waste of time, honestly, uh, to debate in our heads and wonder, were they ever truly saved to begin with? I think if you, if you look through Scripture, I think you could pretty much come to the conclusion, right? We, we come to the conclusion uh, that, they, that they're, just, they're, they're wandering away from the Lord. I think that's a place that you could say that, hey, for sure, they're, just, they're at least wandering away uh, from, from the truth that they know. Now, they may be lost. They may have never been saved to begin with. Who knows? We don't know. Those questions, while they might be an important question... Um, and, and not to say that we can't discuss theological truths and things like that. That's not what I'm saying. But they go to an area that we don't have access to. Okay? And, and that is to the heart of God and to the heart of the other person. Right? I, I don't have access to your heart, just like you don't have access to my heart. So we don't know that question. We don't know the answer to that because we only see the outside. Right? We tend to see the fruit, which lets us know what we need to know because our knowledge 
is limited. And so while the person may seem to have totally rejected Jesus, uh, they've maybe totally rejected their background, they've totally uh, rejected their upbringing or their faith altogether, and they may have the appearance of being lost, only God can say that for sure. Only God can say that for sure. Now, I'm going to be very upfront with you this morning. This is a really challenging question. This is a challenging question, and I know it brings up a lot of emotions. It brings up a lot of pain. It brings up a lot of hurt for a lot of you. My goal today, I want you to see this up front. My goal today is to show you the hope that we can have for even those who have wandered away in Christ. There is hope. Amen? So if you came in here today, you were hopeless. Let me remind us this morning of the hope that we do have and that that person has in Christ. And so in order to answer this question the right way, it's vital that we start in the right place. Okay? And this is crucial as we're seeking to bring those people. We want to bring them back uh, to the Lord. And so I'm going to tell you this morning, this isn't just about um, our kids who maybe once were, wa- once were walking with the Lord, who were raised in the church, who at one time professed to know Jesus. It's not just about them. I'm also talking about uh, pastoral friends uh, that, 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 I've, that I've known, people who have walked away from the uh, divorced his wife and has come out living uh, a different lifestyle. The things that he preached against that he, now he now embraces, now he now lives and identifies this way. And so it's not just children, it's not just right people in our immediate family, it can be fathers who have completely walked out on their families, walked out on everything that they knew to be the truth and they've walked away from the truth. You may have learned about Jesus from somebody who now rejects the very faith that they taught to you. Oftentimes, people who walk away from the Lord start out as people who have been very deeply hurt by the circumstances of life. They feel abandoned by God or they feel cheated by God. And if we could go behind the scenes of some of the most best Christian families we know, a lot of them would have stories of somebody who walked with Christ at one time but now rejects Christ. And sadly, there's no way for us to guarantee that it's not going to happen to someone close to you if it hasn't already. And let me just say, I know of no way to be certain that you yourself may not walk away from God too, but for the grace of God. We can't go into this arrogantly thinking that we're better than some other people or that we just knew better or anything like that, but for the grace of God, there go I. Amen? And so there's one of the main reasons, verse 27 He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be what? Disqualified. In today's scripture right here, the Apostle Paul writes about this matter of self-discipline. And he uses this analogy of athletic like training, this athletic competition. And he says that we have to be passionate about spiritual discipline, right, just like athletes are for training for a race or training for a football team, training for these different things. Now, that's a tall order that we're supposed to be that kind of passionate when we look at the hard work and the energy and the time that athletes put into being a professional athlete or succeeding on the field, right? They put a lot of time, they put a lot of sweat equity into it, they put a lot of effort, they give up a lot of things and sacrifice a lot of things so that they can do those things. Does that make sense? 
It's not just that, oh, they're gifted by God so they can. No, there also is a, a discipline level that comes with making it to the highest competition level, which is NBA, NFL, whatever it might be for you, whatever sport you want to choose. Paul says here, he says, I discipline my body. The Greek term for discipline, um, Henry uh, Alpha, the Apostle Paul is speaking figuratively here, uh, but his message is actually really clear, right? If we want to be winners, right, if we want to be winners of our spiritual marathon, we've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to discipline ourselves. What does that mean? Reading scripture, prayer, loving self-sacrificially, forgiving people freely, rejecting every sinful thought and temptation that starts to come into our mind. This is what self-discipline looks like, right? Because if we're not practicing self-discipline, then it's very easy to walk away. Do we understand? Right? People who walk away from the Lord, there's, there's a there's a, somewhere where there's a gap. What, what allowed you to walk away? What allowed you to walk away? I mean, where, where was your discipline? Right? Where were you going back to the truths of the Lord? I know for in, in the times in my life where I've sat there and, I, and I've doubted the Lord or whatever, oftentimes there's a correlation because I wasn't, maybe I wasn't doing what I'm supposed to. I'm not thinking about what I'm supposed to. I'm allowing different things to come into my mind that shouldn't be there. Maybe I'm not filling my mind with the things that I should be, where Scripture says to think on the things above, to think about what's good and pure, to think about these things. I'm not able to walk away. Do we understand where I'm going? Listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. In the beginning, right, when you're following Jesus, okay, you make your habits, don't you? The habits that you have, the spiritual habits that you have, do not blame on anybody else. The spiritual habits you have, you have them because you made them. You make your spiritual habits in the beginning, but in the end, your habits make you. Your habits say, this is who you are. This, these habits, these spiritual habits that we have, they form you and they shape you over time, don't they? Many of you, you know, and you've heard the story of the prodigal son, right? You've heard that story. And you may be thinking, okay, obviously this is where Jordan's going today. He's going to talk about people returning back to, you know, the Lord. What are the three steps, you know, to bringing someone back who's walked away from the Lord? This message isn't about that. Because here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. Not just in 17 years of pastoral ministry, but just in, in, the term, in times of following the Lord, here's what I've seen, here's what I've learned. Those people who have walked away from God are not going to come back until they're ready, but more importantly, they're not going to come back until God is ready to bring them back. Period. And so I can't argue someone back to Jesus. Somebody back to Jesus. If I try to force somebody back to Jesus and it's not of the Lord, then they're still far off in the fields with the pigs, yet I'm the one who's deceived thinking that they're right there. God is not deceived. God's not caught off guard. God's not the one who doesn't know. So here's where my sermon comes down to this morning. Here's where I'm going. Is there anything that we can do? Like, is there anything that we can do? I want to give you this morning, I want to give you the best things that we can do for those who were once seemingly walking with Christ and have now walked away from Christ. Now, what does it look like? What does this look like? I want to spend the rest of our time 
on this this morning. Prayerfully, our goal this morning at the end is that you would feel hopeful and you would feel encouraged to not give up on the person you love so dearly. Don't give up on them. Can you hear that up front? I want you to have hope. I want you to feel encouraged. Do not give up. Number one, remember this. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Friend, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, young people listen to this especially, if you're a Christian, you believe in miracles. Period. If you are a Christian, you believe in miracles. If you're a Christian, let me tell you why you believe in miracles. Because beyond recognition about 2,000 years ago, bloodied, nailed to a cross, dead for three days, and rose back to life. A miracle is at the crux of your faith. As a Christian, we believe in miracles. As a Christian, we don't believe that there is anything impossible for God. We don't believe that anything is too hard for God. So if God has this power, right, indeed God does have this power, amen, he has this power to raise the dead, then who are we to question that God has the power to soften the hardest heart? We have no, no right to question God if he has the ability to soften a hard heart. Of course he does. You can't start with how you feel. You can't start with what you see. You can't start with what you can logically conclude. Right? You can't trust your feelings in a situation like this because your emotions and your mind, what they do is they play tricks on you. And so therefore, we have to start with God who doesn't change. We start with a God who doesn't change, who can raise people from the dead, and that's where our, our faith lies with him. It, listen, if only God can do miracles, if only God can raise the dead, then our focus needs to be on God and God alone. Not on the, the circumstances and the things that we see from this other person. We need to put our focus on the Lord. Because we have Ephesians 1.18, which Eon read earlier. He said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Listen, physical eyes cannot see these spiritual truths. Physical eyes can't see these spiritual truths. Physical ears can't hear these spiritual, these spiritual truths. But the heart does have eyes and the heart does have ears. The heart has eyes and the heart has ears. And when Paul's talking about the heart here, he's not referring to the organ that's behind your rib cage that's pumping blood throughout your body, keeping you alive. That's not the heart that he's talking about. See, even ancient civilizations besides the Jews, besides right, Christians, right, considered the heart to be the very center of a person, the center of knowledge, the center of understanding, the center of thinking, the center of wisdom. The heart was always described in a lot of these different cultures as, as the will and of the mind of who a person was. And friends, let me tell you something. God can teach your heart things that your mind can never know. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? God can teach your heart something. Your mind could never wrap its, it can't get around it. God can teach your mind that and your heart. Your heart is the very core of who you are. It begins in your heart, and your heart has eyes that can be opened or it can be closed to the things of God. And when the eyes of your heart are closed to the light of God, you're going to stumble blindly through life making stupid decision after stupid decision after stupid decision. We fall into sin. 
when, our, when the eyes of our heart are blind. Why? Because the eyes of our heart are shut and can't see the light of God that God wants to direct us on his path. And so the light of God is shut out of your life, and that means that you can't see, and that means that you're blind at the exact same time. Meaning you might have 20-20 vision with your physical eyes, but you might be spiritually blind today. Physically, people can see, but spiritually, they can be totally blind. Is this not true? Oh, this is true. For, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that's spiritually true because you know that you were blind before you met Jesus. Amen? Like, you were blind before you met Christ. I was spiritually blind before I met Christ. So I know for sure that you can have perfect vision but still not see the things that God wants you to see. Back many years ago, there was a young boy that accompanied his dad and his mom um, as they took a wagon into town for supplies. And after the supplies had been loaded, the little boy worked really hard and he was trying to help his dad load up the, uh, the cart the owner of the store came to the little boy and he said, son, you've, you've been such a, you can take as much candy as you can in your hand. So the little boy just followed the man to the store and he just stared at the jar. And the, the man said, come on, son, you know, put, go ahead. And the boy just looked at him. So the man took his own hand and he put it into the jar, grabbed a handful of candy, opened the little boy's hands and put all this candy in the little boy's hands. Now, on the way back, the dad was like, son, why, why did you do that? I mean, that's not like you to be shy. That's not like you to not take you know, something that was offered to you. Why, why did you do that? And the son said, I was waiting on the man to do it. His hands are bigger than mine. Well, it makes pretty, pretty much a lot of sense right there, right? Smart kid, right? Here's, what, here's where I'm going with this. Friends, listen, even though you can't change their heart, even though you can't make that person start following Jesus. You have to remember that God's hands are bigger than your hands. God's hands are bigger than your hands. God can do more than you can do. In fact, God can do the things that you can't do. God can do those things. God is the only one who can give spiritual life to something that is spiritually dead. God's hands are bigger than our hands. Amen? Luke chapter 1 verse 37 for nothing is impossible with who? God. The angel Gabriel tells Mary that God was planning to do something to a child. It was impossible. Yet what the angel comes and says is the exact opposite is going to happen. Something is going to defy human logic here at the very beginning of when Jesus steps into this world. And so when God said he's going to do the impossible, it's no longer crazy. It's not crazy when God says he's going to do something impossible. It's not crazy to think that God can do something impossible. When was the last time God did something impossible in your life? Would you think about that for a moment? When was the last time God did something impossible in your life? When was the last time that God spoke to you about something that, you, that he wanted to do and you were scared because you thought it was too big? So you dismissed it and you said, no, no, no that's too big. That's kind of crazy. Can't be of God. It's not big. It's too big. Listen, God still does do the impossible. And too many times we say that, you know, God can do anything he wants, but then we give this safety net and we say, but, but he's probably not going to do that in this situation. He's probably not going to do that here. He's probably not going to do that now. So, I, I, you know, we, we kind of start not trusting him. And what happens is when you're not trusting God, when you put a statement out there like that and you say, God can do the impossible, but maybe not with me. You become a practical atheist in that point. 
You're a practical atheist because you're saying that God can do that, but you don't. The difference between a Christian and the difference between a moral person or a good person, so to speak, is God. That's supposed to be the difference, right? The difference between a church and a social club is the miracles that we are just be seeing happening as we follow Jesus. You know, a lot of people can mirror some of the, the Christianity, uh, the Christianese, if you will, if you would, uh, that we see in our world in our church today. People who are lost can even mirror some of those good things. They can mirror the speech that we have. They can say, oh, we like to feed people too. We like to help people too. We like to serve people too. We see that with the lost, don't we? Like even the lost serve people. Even the lost try to help people. Even the lost say they care about people. So what's the difference between the lost and the church? Well, it should be that, listen, in the church world, there's miracles happening. Church world, God is moving. God is doing big things. And so let me ask you, do you believe that nothing is impossible for God? Listen, no matter how far that person you love and you care about, how far they may seem from God, it doesn't negate the fact that this is part of God's character. God can do the impossible. It doesn't negate that. God is a miracle worker. Amen? Number two, something we've got to stop. We've got to stop praying for the symptoms that we don't want to see, and we've got to start praying for the heart change that God can Right? Because it's bigger than just the symptoms. It's symptomatic of a heart problem, the things that you're seeing. So we want to start praying for the heart change that God can bring in them. You've heard it said uh, before that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And that's the truth in this situation. Right? Sometimes we worry too much about the symptoms that we're dealing with, and we completely bypass the root issues that are causing those symptoms. Ephesians 1.18 again Paul said, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with what? Light. So that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people. Who's his holy people? You. Right? Who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Friends, this is what the person that is far from God needs more than anything. Right? This is what they need. Right? They don't need your guilt. Can you hear that loud and clear? Christian. The person who has walked away or seemingly walked away from God does not need your guilt. They don't need your shame. They don't need you embarrassing them. They don't need that. right? They need the light of God to flood their heart. Why? So that they can see spiritually again. See, they're walking in darkness. They need to be able to see things, and they can't see things without the light of God. See, all things will become new to them when, it's, when the light of God can't turn a person back to Jesus. Do you understand that? But the light of God in a minute can do it. In a second can do it. Listen, I wonder sometimes do people you know, say, hey, well, is this really possible? I mean, like these people, maybe the person you're thinking of, they, they have been so far gone from Jesus for such a long time. You're thinking, they've been walking in sin for so long, their heart is so hard. Can God really change this person? My answer is simple. We don't need to understand how it could happen. We just need to know that with God, all things are possible. I don't need to know, God, how you're going to do it. God, I don't need to know how you're going to deliver this person. All I need to remember is that, God, you can do this if you so choose. God, you can do this. Opening blind eyes is the work, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
It is a supernatural work of God, and God alone can do it. But check this out. Don't miss this. He can do it. Can you just turn to your neighbor right now and say, God can do it? Tell him. God can do it. This is the source of our hope that God can do the impossible. Listen to God's word in Ezekiel chapter 36. God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be what? Clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. You will heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Listen, a hard heart is stubborn. A hard heart is unresponsive to God. A hard heart ignores God. We need a heart change that only God can do. But let me just say it again. God can do it. God can do it. So many people have been given this. And and Listen, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, so I'll just say it with this. So many people have been given the absolute, horrible, horrific, disastrous advice in situations like this. They say, just let go and let God. Just let go and let God. Some of you might say, hey, I said that this week. Sorry. It's not let go and let God. It's let's go and let God. Let's keep praying. Let's keep fasting. Let's keep encouraging this person. Let's keep going to God. Let's keep going and let God. Not let go and let God. I'm not stepping out of this situation. I'm not abandoning this person. I'm not going to quit praying for this person. I'm not going to quit loving this person. I'm not going to quit pursuing this person. It's not let go and step out and let God. It's I'm stepping in, I'm stepping up, and I'm going to watch God from, from the front row. It's let's go and let God. You keep pleading with God. You keep pleading with him. You keep crying. You keep begging the Lord to intervene. I want to tell you a story I read this week about not letting go and letting God. But this person decided, let's go and let God. This person kept trusting. This person kept pleading. This person kept pursuing. This, kept, this person kept crying and begging the Lord to save someone that they dearly loved. And it begins, the story begins with a person named Monica. This is all a true story, by the way. This person's name was Monica, and she was raised by Christian parents in North Africa. When she was old enough, her parents arranged a marriage for her and this man who was not a Christian. And so evidently the marriage was really difficult between the two because she was a believer, yet her, her husband, her spouse, was not. Monica and her husband had three children who survived. Two of them followed Christ, but wouldn't you know it, one of them walked away. One of them walked away from the faith of his childhood. And by this own young, this man's uh, admission, he chose the path of whatever the world had to offer for him. The pleasures of the world. And for a lot of years, he lived with a woman, and together they gave birth to a son, yet they were never married. He broke his heart, his mom's heart, by uh, joining a cult. Her son said that she watered the earth with her tears for him. Praying more for his spiritual death than most mothers would pray over the physical death of their own child. She fasted and she prayed and she asked God to intervene and to save her son. And so one day she went to go see her church leader and with tears in her eyes she said, Why after all these years is my son still living in sin? I've prayed, I've fasted, I've cried. Why is he still living in sin? Church leader 
replied with the words that have become famous across the centuries. It is not possible that the son of so many tears should perish. Your son will be saved. And he was right. It took several more years of of fervent prayer, but eventually Monica's son came to know Jesus. What's his name? Augustine. We know him today as St. Augustine. Right? You've, you've, you've obviously you've heard the name. We don't call people saints and refer to them that way, but that is what he's referred to commonly uh, in that way, right? St. Augustine, right? He's universally regarded as one of the greatest thinkers in Christian history. Sixteen centuries later, his books and his writers or his writings are still in print. And he makes it very clear in his confessions that his mom was the one who prayed him to Jesus, that she didn't give up on him. She continued to pray for him. So let me just say this, because there's moms here, there's dads here, there's grandmas, grandpas. There have been mothers, grandmas, grandpas, dads who have prayed their kids, who have prayed their grandchildren back to Christ. There are mothers and grandmothers who have seen their son or their grandson or their granddaughter in in the far off country and have prayed them step by step back to the Father's house. When everybody else gave up, there was somebody who said, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep praying. When everybody else wrote that person off and said, ah, they, they just were never saved to begin with. Just let them go. How cold is that, man? Can I just say how freaking cold is that? That we would sit there and say, oh, they were just never saved to begin with. That's such a shame. And you just let someone walk on their way to hell? Oh, man. Listen, if that spirit is here in New Beginnings, it better be crucified today. Our hearts got to break for people who are lost. For people who don't know Jesus. Like, where, where where is the overwhelming gratitude that we have for the grace of God in our lives? But for the grace of God, what? There go I. Right? Listen, when everybody else gave up, God said, I see this, I see that this brother, this sister on her knees praying. I hear those prayers. God hears those prayers. The prayers when you're broken and you're, and you're weeping in front of the Lord, God hears them. He hears your prayers. And in this situation, when it came to Augustine, what he said is that God heard those prayers and he answered them. Number three, we got to continue. So there's something we had to stop doing. Stop just praying for the symptoms. Start praying for right, this heart change. But we also need to continue to pray for our own hearts too. we got to pray for our own hearts too. Friends, I know our loved one being uh, far off from God, it's a great opportunity to be bitter. Right? It's a great opportunity to be bitter, to be angry at God, to stop trusting in God. But the flip side is this is that it's really the God side of the issue that's an opportunity for you to also still have faith and trust the Lord and have some joy in the Lord. To have some joy in him, right? Trusting him, like that he will keep you in peace. It's an opportunity to get closer to God when somebody you love is further away from God. You know, God oftentimes uses the suffering of watching a loved one walking away from him to help us actually walk closer with him. I want you to hear me on this. You're not going to control your loved one into a relationship with Jesus. Parents, listen very carefully. You're not going to control your child into a relationship with Jesus. Because the second your control leaves them and they're not really in Christ, they're walking away. 
you will not control them into a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not sitting here saying do not set parameters and have clear boundaries and expectations in your home. I'm not saying don't model a relationship with Christ for your kids. What I'm just saying is if somebody is spiritually dead, you can't bring them to life. You can't. And I know it's heavy. You're not going to be angry enough for them to become a believer. It's true, right? You're not going to argue them into heaven. You're not going to gossip and complain about them enough for them to have enough faith for salvation. So I want to suggest something to you because just giving you that doesn't really help. So let me give you something else to do instead of doing that. I pray this changes you. Every time you start to focus on how far away they are from God, remind yourselves that they can't change themselves. And you can't change them. But the one who can change them is ready and willing to listen to your prayers and can change them in an instant if he wants to. Oh, he can. He's sitting there ready and willing and listening. Pray to me. Talk to me. Talk to me about your, about your child. Talk to me about your friend. Talk to me about your parents. That the bitterness and the anger and the discouragement is going to grow in our heart from them not walking with God. And if that anger and that bitterness, if it grows in our heart about them not walking with the Lord, you allow that to have a place at the table in your heart, then it can lead you away from walking with God. Do we see the danger? Do we see why the Apostle Paul is saying we got to discipline ourselves? The Apostle Paul saw, you don't think the Apostle Paul, listen, maybe, maybe the greatest Christian of all time, you don't think he saw people walk away from God? We know that he did because we see it in his writings. He saw people walk away from God. And gosh, what kind of better pastor could they have had than him? Maybe besides the disciples with Jesus. You know what I mean? Gosh, the training, the, the theological training that they must have gotten sitting under the Apostle Paul and the people still walked away from God? discipline. It matters. This is not just about the other person today. This is also about you. You need to make sure that you are spiritually disciplining yourself. Every day walking and creating these habits of spiritual discipline. I also want to remind us, as especially parents, if this is you, if you're, if you're dealing with this today. Please remember this. Your kid does not belong to you. And he loves them more than you do which is incredible, right? I'm not minimizing how much you love them. I'm just showing you how big God's love is for your kids too. God loves them, doesn't he? No? Yes? Yeah, God loves them, right? Listen, and your prayers about them should reflect that, right? That, that God loves them more than you do. Your love for your child may fail. God's love for them is not going to fail. It will never fail. Right, God is in control. God knows what he's doing. God is not shocked by your child's or the person you love, their rebellion. He is aware. He knows. He cares deeply. God cares. And friend, even though it might look like he isn't, let me just give you some hope today. Because here's the truth. God is at work in their life. God is at work in their life. They may have walked away from him. But friend, I want you to lean into this. God has not walked away from them. So while they may, again, they may have walked away from God, but God has not walked away from them. And so maybe you have a loved one who's far away from the Lord today. Maybe it seems like it's totally impossible that they'll ever change. Do you understand their sinful choices? No. 
right? Do your prayers maybe seem useless to you right now? Here's what you got to do. Again, you got to stop trusting your feelings. Start trusting your Father. Stop trusting how you feel. Start trusting the promises of God that you know. But your God has never lost a battle. Amen? Your God has never lost a battle. He's never lost a fight. He's never lost a war. Your God is undefeated. And your salvation is evidence of that truth. Some of you might say, what do you mean my evidence is salvation of that truth? Let me give you, let me just let you know something. See, the enemy wanted you. Do you understand that? Oh, he wanted you. He, he had a good grip on you. He wanted you. But if you're a child of God, he lost you. He's lost. You know who won? Jesus won. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. It's what he does. And so you don't give up. You keep on praying. You keep believing because you never know what God is going to do. You don't know what God is going to do. When you pray for a loved one whose heart seems hard against the Lord, pray that God would soften their heart. Pray that the light of God would enter their heart. Pray for it. And so does the situation seem hopeless? That's okay. Some of you are like, wait, what? If a situation seems hopeless, it's okay. Why? Some of you say, why would that be? Someone just asked me why. Because even hopeless situations have to submit to God. So it may look like it's ugly. It may look like, oh, man, this. God gets the final word. God is the one who gets the final word. So listen. There was a Friday about 2,000 years ago, and it was the darkest day in human history. God died. Did you know that? Like, God actually died. It looked like evil won. And then on Saturday, hopelessness was growing. It was growing here. It was growing in heaven. Hopelessness is growing because what? It looks like what? God died. But just like we like to say on Easter... And Sunday morning, Sunday morning came, that sun came up just like it always does. Because who makes that sun come up? God. And so what happens? Jesus raises from the dead. He defeats death. Listen, you never know what God is going to do. You never know what God is going to do, and so we keep on believing, we keep on praying. God specializes in impossible situations. Like, all you have to do is go back to Scripture. Something looked impossible, just go back and read what God did. It was impossible. It was completely and utterly impossible. Nobody saw a way. God's like, I got a way. Right? What is the song? We, the song we sing, one of the lyrics is, you turn seas into highways. Oh, there's a, a body of water up against your back. There's an army surrounding you. God said, don't worry, I'll split that water. You're walking. You're okay. God specializes in thinking about those who have loved ones who are out there far away from God. Some of you may be here today and you are far away from God. I want to ask you, every, every person in this room, how much does God love you? Not how much does God love somebody else. I'm asking you today right now, how much does God love you? Would you just hear that right now? How much does God love you? I think God allows and loves you enough to let you go and experience the world. And show you that the world doesn't, the world can't add up to the things that he offers. Right? He loves you enough to let you go. He loves you enough to let you hit rock bottom. He loves you enough to let you come back. And he loves you so much to run and meet you wherever you are at. 
That's how much God loves you. So I want to read this story to you because this story is you, and God wants you to hear how much he loves you. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Compassion for him. He what to his son? Ran to his son, threw his arms around him and what? Kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was what? Dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to what? Celebrate. If you're here today, you're far away from God. The way back to the Father is always through the distant country. Some of you might say, what does that mean? Where's the distant country? The distant country is anywhere you are outside of the will. The country for you may look like this young man, partying, living a a wild life of sin. But for a lot of us, it's not going to look like that. Right? The distant country is any place where your life seems to be empty and where you look up and you say, is that all that this life has to offer? Is that all that there is in this world? And what does God say to you today? He says, of course not. Come home. There's there's more for you here than there is out there. Come home. Come home. So let me just ask you this morning, are you hungry? Then come home. Are you spiritually thirsty today? Come home. Are you tired and you're exhausted from from living the way you've been living? God says, come home. Come home. The first step is always the hardest, isn't it? Can we just be real? The first step is the hardest step, but it's also the step that brings you halfway back home. See, many of us need to respond. Maybe you're here today and you're away from God. You came in here today not by anything else but in the grace of God. Your car could have broken down today and you couldn't have made it here, right? You could have just overslept. You could have just decided, I'm not coming today. God brought every single one of you here today for a reason, for a purpose. Every one of you is here for a reason, for a mean to be far away from God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right, like, I kept coming to church. You know, I didn't mean to get far away from God, but that's where you're at. And so what do you need to do today? You got to come back home. You got to come back home. Listen, so I'm giving the invitation to you here in just a moment. 
if you feel that you've drifted away from God, this is the day, this is the place for you to come home. This is the time for you to come back to God. Maybe this morning you feel a pulling in your heart, a real pulling in your heart, and you don't even know what that pulling is, who is this pulling. Hear me on this today, my friends. That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit saying, come home. The Father is ready for you to come home. Come home. And friend, listen, if that's you today, maybe you are far away from God. Again, let me just tell you, it's time to come home. If you've been living off in the far distant country, it's time to come home. If you want a new life, it's time to come home. Oh, you want a fresh start? Guess what? Come home. Come home today. Take that first step, and the Father will meet you. Our prayer team's coming forward now. They're moving. And as our prayer team comes forward this morning, there are some of you who are here today, you came in like, hey, you're far away from God. You get prayed for this morning. You could let someone encourage you this morning. You could do that right now. You don't have to wait. You could get up right now and say, hey, right now I'm coming because I, I need someone to pray for me. This morning you may be here and you may have somebody in your life. You may have somebody that you're like, man, I, I love this person dearly, and I, and, I, and I need to pray for them. Then this morning, you get up, and you come to one of our people in our prayer, and I'm going to ask maybe Jim, if you would come and stand up here in the front. Uh, I'm going to have Cedric, you would stand here in the front. Give a couple more people here to pray. If you have someone you love, then you pray. Don't just be the person who dismisses somebody and says, they were never saved. They didn't know the Lord. Oh, what a shame. If only. If only. Is our God dead? Three people believe that. Like, is our God dead? No, he's not dead. So then why would we not take an opportunity to come and we, hey, let's pray for them. If you're not going to come forward and pray for one of these people or pray with one of these people, come forward maybe and you get on your knees and your face in front of the Lord and say, hey, Lord, I'm, I'm going to plead with you for this person. And love this person well by praying for them. So the opportunity is here. I pray for those who may be far away from God. Can we do that today? Amen? You may be, hey, today may be your, may be your first time here. I just want to say, hey, thank you. We're welcome. Or we hope you feel welcome today. But we are becoming a more praying church. So I want you to know, if this is your first time and you're like, man, do these people love Jesus and want to talk to him? I pray right now you would see the evidence that, hey, we do love to talk to the Lord. And we love to talk to the Lord about what's happening in, in our, our brothers and sisters' lives, the people that we care about. So in a moment, I pray you move, okay? The altar's open. We have a prayer team here. You come forward and you be prayed for or you pray with for that other person. If you're far away from God, come. What is, what's the offer this morning? What is, what is God saying to you? Come home. Release that burden. Come home. Let me pray. Lord, we have people who are hurting right now. Lord, in this moment, we, we know that there are people who are hurting because they care so much for somebody else that has seemingly walked away from you and their heart is breaking just thinking about them, not following you, not loving you. That once upon a time, Lord, they, they did seem to, to love you and follow you. Maybe they were the person who led them to you in the first place, and now it looks like they've rejected you and walked away. So, God, we pray for your, your light to flood that dark heart. We, we can't do it. 
Lord, there's nothing that we can do on our own, in our own strength, to do things that only you can do. Lord, you're the one who takes things that are spiritually dead and you bring them to, to new life. And so, God, we pray for that and those who may be lost or may just be far away from you and be a prodigal son or daughter right now. Lord, we don't have to worry and try to answer the question, were they ever saved? I thought I heard them and they got bad. We don't need to do that. We just need to remember in that moment when those thoughts come into our mind that, God, you are ready and willing to listen and you can act in a moment and bring them right back. So, God, we pray for that right now. We pray for miracles to happen. Pray this would be a day that, wow, Lord, you answered prayer. Miracles happened. New Beginning saw more miracles happen. More people come to know you. More people get saved. Lord, I pray for those who might be here today and have been far away from you. They didn't mean to get that way. They didn't want to get far away from you. But, Lord, that's where they're at right now. They're far away. And, Lord, maybe right now they just know in their own heart, their own mind, maybe they're trying to wrestle with their own thoughts and sit there and say, it's not that bad. I can just do this. You know, I can get things right tomorrow. Lord, break them of that pride where they don't need you. Break them of their pride where they're sitting here today saying, oh, God, I can do this in my own. I can. Somebody else is further away. Let me not. No, Lord, break us of pride. Draw us back distant country always is. It's anywhere outside of your will. So, Lord, if we've been living a lifestyle, living in a way that's outside of your will, today's the day where we get to say, I'm coming home. I'm going home. I'm going home where I know Jesus loves me. I'm going home where I know Jesus cares for me. I'm going home where I know Jesus is with me. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to forsake me. He's going to encourage me. He's going to speak truth over my life. He's going to sing over me. Lord, it's what your word says. It's the promises of you, God. So, God, right now I'm praying that you would move in a way that, Lord, we just can't even fully fathom or understand. And, Lord, for that person who, again, may be far away right now in this room, Lord, it's your grace saying, come home. Take those burdens off. Take those chains off. Come home. Come home and experience love and mercy and forgiveness. Lord, that first step is always the hardest, but it's the one that brings us back to you. Lord, I thank you for our church. Thank you for the church body that we have here. Pray that you would continue to add more and more to this body. Lord, we want to be a, a church that is, is loving and caring and speaks the truth always. So God, help us with that. Help us to grow in that. Studies through our, our service, through our fellowship events, Lord, that everything we would do would be a place in a time that would honor you and glorify you and lift you up, and that, Lord, that we don't just see people come back to you in these times, in this service like today, but, Lord, we see you move in mighty ways and draw people back to you in our Bible studies. We see you do it in fellowship events, that, Lord, when your people are gathered, when two or three are gathered, you're there in a very special way. And, Lord, we pray for that to happen here. So, God, we prayed and we asked for a lot, most important thing, Holy Spirit, is we ask for you to move and to have your way in this place with these people. So, God, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for the good things we see happening and that will happen through this. In Jesus' name, amen.